latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Thursday, July the 21st, 2022. <gasps> Praise be to God. You are you a mere 24 hours away, almost, give or take. To your weekend. Praise be to God. Hopefully, it's going to be a good one, by the way. We're going to have a great show today. Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine is going to be back on the program asking an interesting question. Why are there a, are there a growing number of Catholics who say, claim, believe that the chair of St. Peter is empty? They don't actually believe Pope Francis is the actual Pope. That's called set of a contest, and we're going to dive into that today with eric sammons and why that could be very troubling so that's coming up at 35 past the hour stick around for that and then uh in the uh, 15 after what's concerning us segment we have a guest on from ireland his name is michael farrell now michael is going to uh, give us what's really going down with the mystic monks the monastery in wyoming you know the mystic monk coffee well there's been accusations against uh them about sins of chastity and more and we're going to conversate with Michael because he spent some time there. He was a novice. So he's going to give us his experience about the mystic monks and what's really happening behind the monastery walls. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. Tito Edwards is going to be on at the top of the next hour from BigPulpit.com. We're going to talk about the Vatican pressuring Savannah, Georgia Diocese to end the traditional Latin Mass as a one-year anniversary to, to Traditionis Custodis. So uh, that's coming up. If you can join us in the next hour, we would surely love to have you. Lots of stories, of course. President Biden stopped just shy of issuing an emergency declaration on climate change. He is going to be using executive fiat, but uh, nonetheless, he also said he has cancer. So that's kind of troubling. Did he, did he mean that? I mean, the White House isn't clarifying at this time, so who knows, actually. Hey, two Texas men as a follow-up to a story we covered with that horrific story out of San Antonio. 53 people died at the back of a trailer, tractor trailer, coming across the border illegally. Two Texas men, one from Pasadena, that's our neck of the woods, and another from Palestine have been indicted. Two others from Mexico as well. But the two Texas men could face the death penalty for that. Hey, 89 Catholic members of the House of Representatives voted to uh, to make homosexual marriage, quote-unquote, law of the land. Eighty-nine Catholics in the House voted for that. Let that sink in. Hey, Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan, she has uh, vetoed $20 million in funding for adoption agencies and pregnancy centers. And good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. <clears throat> yeah, just in case you missed those stories yesterday. Whew, that makes me angry. Yeah, uh, Whitmer story. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think you can say it enough, though. Personally, well, it just it just it uh, it solidifies the fact these people mm -hmm. don't actually mm -hmm. care about the actual arguments that they're making. They say oh, pro-lifers they don't care about life. Well, well, you obviously don't care about what happens <laughs> right. after yeah. the kid is born, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. You claim that's yeah. our that's that's something that we don't care about, but mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious you don't care. Yeah, about Yeah, fairly that, obvious. Yeah, Gretchen Whitmer. Where's my dub button when I need it? I like need my dub. <laughs> dub. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here in the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? You know, despite the fact that uh, 
the conservatives are not conserving anything. It is still <laughs> yeah, good to right, exactly. And uh, but you know what? Here's some good news. Okay. I got some good news for you. All right. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I went to my friend's uh, baptism or his son's baptism, rather. Okay. And God. It, it was pretty amazing. It was very beautiful, and I'm just I was just overwhelmed with the idea that I mean, wow, that parent, these guys. I was like, you know. You know, you can be you could be happy right now that at any moment, like if whatever happens in the next eight years, they're going straight to heaven no matter what happens. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of awesome. It's an eight-year like, window. Same thing. An eight-year window. All downhill. And from then that. he's got to get them to confession. <laughs> he's like, the age of reason was seven. No, uh, I was just throwing out a number. Oh. It's, it's kind of there's like a number that's listed, but really the age of reason and it is can different vary. for every kid. Yeah, it's different. For individual every kid. mileage can vary. Yeah, <laughs> individual <laughs> mileage. I know some kids who are twenty and he may not be at the age of reason yet still. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but praise be to God, it was beautiful. And I was just thinking about the early church when they didn't have access to the Eucharist, didn't have yeah. access to the Mass, yeah. they would genuflect to a newly baptized baby because yeah, they have so the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Oh. <laughs> so All right, we've got to get started. Praise be to God. We have a lot to cover today. Let's go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, July 21st, and here are your headlines this morning. Here's a little bit of good news. Epic Times reports Georgia's abortion ban takes effect after appeals court ruling. Georgia's abortion ban took effect on July 20th immediately after a federal appeals court overturned a lower court order that had blocked enforcement of the 2019 law. The three-judge panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit issued a stay on a lower court injunction that was issued in 2020 after the ruling that the Supreme Court striking down Roe v. Wade and a similar decision meant the ban was no longer violative of legal precedent. The law is similar to Texas's heartbeat law and bans abortions when a heartbeat is detected around six weeks into pregnancy. The Washington Examiner reports EU asks countries to cut gas consumption until spring. The measure presented by the European Commission asks a 27-member bloc of countries to cut their consumption by 15% between August 1st and March 31st, all the way up to 2023. It's an extraordinary emergency request as Russia seeks to weaponize its gas exports. The proposal could make the targets voluntary at first, but it gives the European Commission power to force mandatory reductions on member states if a severe gas shortage is declared. The reduction is expected to help the EU reach the target of 80% gas storage by November 1st in preparation for the winter. Just the News reports White House denies Biden has cancer after President seems to suggest it during speech. President Biden, during a speech on Wednesday, appeared to claim that he was suffering from cancer, a suggestion the White House later denied, according to media reports. The president was speaking on climate and energy issues at Brayton Point Power Station in Somerset, Massachusetts, saying, quote, You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off your window. Continuing, That's why I and so many dang many other people I grew up with have cancer, unquote. But the remark was about supposed skin cancers that were removed prior to him becoming a president. And the Epic Times also reports Lavrov says Russia's aims in Ukraine now go beyond the Donbass. 
Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says that Moscow's military tasks in Ukraine now went beyond the eastern region of the Donbass. It's the clearest acknowledgement yet that its war goals have expanded in the last five months. He says, quote, if the West, out of impotent rage or desire to aggravate the situation further, kept pumping Ukraine with long-range weapons such as the U.S.-made high-mobility artillery rocket systems, that means the geographical tasks will extend still further from the current line, unquote, Lavrov said. And those were your headline news this morning. I love you. The saint of the day is unfortunately a Franciscan saint. But, you know, we love Franciscans too. St. Lawrence <coughs> of Brindisi <laughs> was born on July 22nd, 1559. Giulio Cesar Russo was born in Brindisi, Kingdom of Naples, to a family of Venetian merchants. The conventuals of Brindisi were entrusted with his education. Showing an early gift for oratory, he was always the one chosen to address, in accordance with the Italian custom, a short sermon to his compatriots on the infant Jesus during the Christmas festivals. He was 12 when his father died and continued his education at St. Mark's College in Venice under the supervision of one of his uncles. Cesare joined the Capuchins in Verona as Brother Lawrence. He received further instruction from the University of Padua. An accomplished linguist, in addition to his native Italian, Lawrence could read and speak Latin, Hebrew, Greek, German, Bohemian, Spanish, and French, and also obviously Italian. While still a deacon, he preached the Lenten sermons in Venice. Lawrence was ordained a priest at the age of 23. At the age of 31, Lawrence was elected superior of the Capuchin Franciscan province of Tuscany, and in 1596 he was appointed Defender General in Rome for the Capuchins. Pope Clement VIII assigned him the task of preaching to the Jews in the city. His knowledge of the Hebrew language was of great help in this regard. Beginning in 1599, Lawrence established Capuchin monasteries in modern Germany and Austria, furthering the Counter-Reformation and bringing many Protestants back to the Catholic faith. He also founded friaries in Vienna, Prague, and Graz. It was on the occasion of the foundation of the convent of Prague in 1601 that he was named the imperial chaplain for the army of Rudolf II, Holy Roman Emperor, and successfully recruited Philip Emmanuel, Duke of Mercier, to help fight against the Ottoman Turks. He then led the army during the siege of, now wait for this, Szeszhetyfordhardvar in Hungary, nailed that name, from the Ottoman Empire, armed only with a crucifix. In 1602, he was elected Vicar General of the Capuchin Friars, at that time the highest office in the order. He was elected again in 1605, but refused the office. Until his death, he was the best advisor for, of his successor. He entered the service of the Holy See in becoming Papal Nuncio to Bavaria, and after serving as Nuncio to Spain, he retired to a monastery in 1618. He was recalled as a special envoy to the King of Spain regarding the actions of Viceroy of Naples in 1619. And after finishing his mission, he died on his 60th birthday in Lisbon. He was entombed at the Poor Clares Convent in Dalla Annunciada, and he was beatified in 1783 by Pope Pius VI and was canonized in 1881 by Pope Leo XIII. He died the day he was born on July 22, 1619. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, pray for us. Mm, Franciscans. Just, it's good to hear again. Thanks, thanks, Adrian, for that. Praise be to God. Once a month. Praise be to God in all things. Hitting the quota we are today. All right, the gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. 
The disciples approached Jesus and said, Why do you speak to the crowd in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear but not understand. You shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Quoting St. Thomas Aquinas, Haydock's commentary says, quote, The mysteries of the kingdom of God are not disclosed to the scribes and Pharisees who were unwilling to believe in him, though it was their duty and occupation of the scribes to expound the sacred oracles to others, but to those who adhered closely to Christ and believed in him. Let us therefore run in company with the apostles to Jesus Christ that he may disclose to us the mysteries of his gospel. I made this point yesterday. If you want to know the clarification, if you want to know the, the interpretation, if you want to unlock the richness, you've got to go to the ministers whom Christ appointed. Even Haydock's commentary uh, makes this very, very clear. He says, uh, quote, Can we then suppose for a single moment that the mere putting of a Bible into every man's hand will convert the world? Think about that. The command given to the apostles and their successors in the ministry is, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all days, even to the end of the world. The mission of the church, I've said it a billion times, I'll say it a billion times more, is to convert the world to go and to preach, to make disciples. That is the job of the hierarchy of the church. Let's pray about that. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a Seventh-day Adventists use Ecclesiastes 9.10 to argue that souls in heaven aren't cognitively aware of our prayers because the inspired author says that souls don't have any knowledge in the afterlife. But this objection fails because the inspired author was operating with a limited and vague view of the afterlife without New Testament revelation. 
When we come to the New Testament, it's a whole new ballgame. Consider Revelation 5.8, where 24 presbyters, human souls, surround Jesus and offer him the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense. How could they do this if they weren't cognitively aware of all those prayers? So just because an Old Testament passage speaks of the afterlife in a way that's not compatible with the intercession of the saints, it doesn't follow that the Catholic doctrine is proven unbiblical. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, uh, Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine is going to be our guest. It's been a while since he's, he's been on the program, Rudy. I can't remember the last time he's been on. It's been probably a couple months. It's been at least weeks. It, it months, I'd say. It's probably been months. But, uh, you know, there is a growing number of Catholics who, who seem to believe, are concerned with, and think that the chair of St. Peter is empty. That's called sedevacantism. Mm-hmm. Of course, that is a thing in the church. The minute a pope dies... We're instead of a contism. Right. The chair of St. Peter is empty. But I've checked the headlines. There, there's a guy wearing white there with a ring, has titles. Cardinals show up and hang out with him. So I would say that's the Pope. But uh, a lot of Catholics are saying that's not the case. So we're going to talk to uh, Eric Sammons about that. Coming up at 35 past there, why is that? What are their claims and what's the danger in that with Eric Sammons? So uh, stick around for that. But there are... Lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. In fact, there's been some accusations going around about the mystic monks. The Carmelite Monastery in Wyoming, uh, which provides mystic monk coffee. But there's been some accusations about uh, sins against chastity and other sins there that have been going around the internet and beyond lately. And I saw some videos on YouTube from former novices who are giving their own testimony about what life is like there, and uh, and sort of a response to some of these accusations. So we've decided to reach out to Michael Farrell, who is in Ireland, and he joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Mr. Farrell. Good morning. Thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's my to Rudy Carlos. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for your time today. Let's start with uh, talking about your time there. Just like uh, give us a... Uh, Give us some uh, description and some uh, an image in our mind, if you will. What is this monastery like there in the, the beautiful setting of Wyoming? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I entered in 2019. I was there for two years. Uh, I discerned out. I felt a, a call to marriage with my spiritual director shortly before taking vows. I left in 2021, but... Um, I have nothing but praise for, for the monks there and for the community. And when I went, uh, I was extremely impressed by their virtue and how they lived out the little way of St. Therese. And I'd read the Carmelite books before entering. I'd read um, St. Teresa of Avila and uh, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. And I was really impressed just by how they, how they ran the community there and how they lived out the vows. And uh, some accusations came up, I think, was it January? And uh, another former novice, phoned me and he said, hey, look, would you like to reach out to, um, you know, would you like to reach out to people over the internet and we can do some videos and maybe come up with a website to discuss these? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give my experience. And so um, I, I basically, I told him I haven't seen any 
any form of homosexuality or any kind of grooming while I was there. Um, I never felt I never felt oppressed. Never felt forced into anything. I didn't feel I was being kept there against my will or anything out of fear. And um, yeah, and then when these accusations came out, I, you know, I'd I'd have to talk again to the accuser himself to. Mm. Can, uh, can we can we just back up for a second, Michael? Can we just back up for a second? Can we maybe clarify what were the actual accusations that were levied against the community? Okay, so um, <clears throat> one one of the accusations was that there was homosexual grooming going on, and that the the um, the monks were forced to, you know, undress and be immodest in front of the spiritual director and. Uh, to shower and um, and he's um, in my experience that that never happened. There were curtains over the showers. Now occasionally, if a brother reached out to get a towel or something like that, you know, um, especially some of the more people that came from uh, perhaps different environments or different backgrounds, they you know they they reached out and some of them you know if they grabbed a towel or something like that, but it wasn't. It wasn't the way it was described in the accusations that anybody was under obedience and that there was a, you know, everybody was forced to be um, a modest. I, I never felt threatened in any way in chastity, and I found you could be completely transparent with the monks and tell them if you had any fears or worries um, regarding any of that. So I didn't feel like there was anything uh, oppressive. I suppose one of the other accusations had to do with a very heavy workload. Um, I found the manual labor really uh, helpful to me personally, and uh, the monks always ensured I could take breaks, and uh, that I had enough time for prayer. I I was allowed an hour in the morning of mental prayer. I was also able to, you know, the community gathered for rosary. Uh, the person who made the accusations, he made uh, he was on a different schedule from the main community, and so when the community gathers um, as a community to pray the rosary, I think he was. Um, he he wasn't doing it with the community. He was meant to do it on his own in his cell. And because he was only there for a few weeks, he may have had a, I suppose, just his overall picture of it wasn't, you know, very standard, um, a standard community. Mm. So, I mean, there is a lot of conversation about this when it broke i guess it was last year or something like that and it shocked a lot of people thinking that there could be some really bad uh things taking place in this monastery which is set beautifully in the mountain foothills of uh i think it's the grand tetons right there in in wyoming michael farrell are you still there uh, adrian we, yeah adrian i need you to go ring him back up so we were talking with michael farrell he was uh from Ireland, he was a novice for some time before making final vows. He said he did discern with his spiritual director uh, that he was called to marriage, so he left. And it's interesting because there is now a few people who've come out. I think I've seen four testimonies from former members of the community who've all said the same thing, that there's not anything really going on there uh, at all, according to these accusations. Now, one of the things I find very interesting, Rudy, is when someone says, well, the guys were showering. Like, okay, I played football in high school and middle school or yeah. middle school, and I also joined the military. I've been to three boot camps, and in all three boot camps, you shower in community showers with no shower curtains whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, it's completely you, normal. And when you're young, if you've not played football or sports 
that would really freak you out. A lot of you could tell the guys who had never experienced that before because they're like, "This is really awkward. I don't want to be in front of all you people without clothes on. I <laughs> yeah. definitely don't want you to be without clothes on in front of me." Like that, you know. <laughs> but it became normal. You get not that I'm. I don't want it to be normal, by the way. But nonetheless, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, it it's bizarre to me to think that uh, that that was part of the accusation. But in fact, we learn. Michael, are you back on the line with us? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I uh, I was just sharing my own experience having served in the military of having to have, you know, showers in front of other people, and that's just very common in the military. Football, athletics yeah. in, in the United States, very common. But uh, from what I understand, there's curtains in the showers there, and so they're not actually doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And whatever this man's experience was, it sounded to me very, very blown out of proportion. Maybe he saw one monk reach out and grab a towel. Okay, maybe that monk should have been more discreet. And, you know, obviously the intention isn't to scandalize anybody, but it most certainly wasn't a group of them, you know, all together under this kind of forced obedience of some kind of sexual grooming. I mean, that that was never the case. And I, I was there for two years, and I, I never felt threatened or anything like that. I didn't sense any, any homosexuality uh, going on at all while I was there. So... Whatever the motives are for these accusations, who knows? All I all I can say is my testimony when I was there mm. um, was was nothing like that. I you know one of my uh, one of my patron saints is Saint Maximilian Kolbe, and uh, I was reading his book about Kolbe and Nagasaki uh, over this past uh, winter season, yeah. and uh, the way he worked his friars. He he worked them to the bone. I mean, they lived off barely any food, and they worked relentlessly. In addition to praying, mass, sacraments, they were there was not a lot of free time. Let's just say, in his uh, in his monastery there in Nagasaki. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you read Saint Paul as well, he's often telling the brethren that you know what, uh, hard work is important. It's good for the soul and. It's funny that um, the accusations are kind of, you know, homosexuality and then also, or this kind of modesty, but then also really driven hard work. And to me, those things don't really kind of line up. I mean, these are very driven monks that are working really hard. They're, they're doing this for a goal. They're not, obviously, you're not getting paid for anything. And it's a tough life. And uh, it isn't for everyone. And some people go there and they, they yeah, they might find the work difficult and the, the silence and the solitude tough. And, um, the, the monks will even tell you when you go that look, this life isn't for everybody. And as you said yourself, you were in the military, and so the, the military isn't <laughs> maybe as much as people would like to join. You know, not everybody's cut out for the, for the military either, but nonetheless, it doesn't diminish, you know, the, the nobleness of the cause, if you get what I'm saying. Do you have a sense of what the impact of these accusations has had on the community? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it. It just seems to have spread unbelievably far, and my own relatives and my own family reached us all the way over, you know, in the UK and Ireland. And um, I mean, for example, we had a pro-life rally here in Ireland not too long ago, a few weeks ago, and it was great to just meet everyone, all the different groups, the TFP and the FSSP, Fraternity of St. Peter, and there were some seminarians there from America. And um, as you're chatting to people, you know, from around the world at this pro-life rally, they Lots of them seems to have been aware of these accusations, and I said, um, "Oh, 
great. You know, you're a seminarian. I, I myself was, uh, um, was trained to be religious. I was in a monastery, um, the Carmelites of Wyoming for two years. And he said, oh, and I, uh, uh, the seminarian. So I said, yeah, just to let you know, there's actually, Accusations if you've heard of any of them are false, any of them are false. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, wow. He had heard, you know, all the way over here. So, yeah, so everybody, everybody seemed to, to hear. And uh, we didn't know how many views our, uh, our channel was going to make in the video. And the fact that my video made 73,000 uh, views in three weeks. Um, Very speed again. Tyler said, hey, we could have done this ages ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it has yeah, has the community has the community uh, suffered by way of uh, inquiries into uh, you know potentially discerning the community from a vocation standpoint? Have they uh, have they had a have they had a hard time bringing yeah. in new members? They have, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tyler was telling me this as well. He said, yeah, their, their vocation inquiries have dropped quite a bit since these. Uh, since these accusations, and it's just caused a lot of division, even with the families of some of the brothers and people inquiring, you know. And for young men discerning, it's difficult enough trying to discern a vocation on top of trying to communicate with your family and friends that you want to go to this community that's just had a huge stain put on it, you know. And I think that makes it even more difficult for young men discerning. They really want to get to the bottom, like, okay, I really want to do God's will. These monks seem great. Um, Mm. You know, I've got to get around these accusations. Is there anyone else on the internet that has another side to this story? Because it was just like, wham, body slam, and then, you know, that was it, really. So yeah. I said, well, well I'm going to make my mission to give my experience and to defend them. We are out of time. Uh, Michael Farrell, thank you for your time today. We appreciate your testimony and your insight into this. We're going to link to that, your testimony, and the other videos in our social feeds today. So, dear listener, if you've not seen it, Hang out with us online and you'll be able to find it there. Michael Farrell, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We're going to be right back. More to come. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Patriotism is a natural virtue. It's natural to love our country just as it's natural to love our family and love our home. But G.K. Chesterton says the true patriot is always a little sad. Now why is that? Because everyone who loves his country wishes it were better. Chesterton says we have to hate the world enough to want to change it and love it enough to think it worth changing. So when we criticize our nation, we do it out of love because we want to improve it and because we want to be proud of it. We obviously don't want to be ashamed of it. That's why we want our country to be virtuous and moral and godly. And Chesterton says, the more transcendental is your patriotism, the more practical are your politics. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. The Epic Times reports, House Democrats block Republican resolution condemning violence at churches and pregnancy centers. I suppose we should have expected this. 
House Democrats on Tuesday blocked a Republican resolution that would have condemned the violence seen by radical pro-abortion activists at churches and pro-life pregnancy centers in recent months. There have reportedly been more than 50 instances of arson or vandalism in such locations after the Supreme Court's Roe decision was finalized, and more than 100 since the opinion was leaked. The Telegraph reports, depression is not caused by chemical imbalance. This uh, story really overturns a particular narrative here. Depression is not a chemical imbalance in the brain, and scientists have no idea how antidepressants work. A review by the University College of London has concluded. Although one in six adults in England are currently prescribed antidepressants, most of which act by maintaining serotonin levels, the new analysis suggests depression is not actually caused by low levels of serotonin. Instead, depression may be more strongly equated with negative life events, which lower mood, the review found. And Breitbart reports, enough fentanyl to kill 140 million people seized on border in June. Just June alone. The report from FAIR, which is based on data released by the Biden administration, found that over 680 pounds of fentanyl were seized by Border Patrol in the month of June alone. In addition, 9,371 pounds of cocaine, 104 pounds of heroin, and 13,000 pounds of methamphetamine were also seized by authorities on the southern border. Meanwhile, the report notes that over 100,000 Americans died of drug overdoses in 2021, according to the CDC. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, by the grace of God, Eric Sammons, Crisis Magazine, is joining us once again. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God, I'm alive. How are you? I'm doing great. It counts, right? I mean, that counts. Yes, exactly. That's right. Hey, another day to serve the Lord. Yeah, another day Amen. to serve the Lord. Praise be to Jesus. You know, this is this could be a very sensitive topic because, I mean, we're we're touching the third trad rail here. And uh, <laughs> at least all of us in the room are trads. I know. I think you go to a, a traditional Latin mass as well. I do. And, and yet we could get ourselves in some deep trouble with this one. So let's uh, let's tread carefully here. But we want to wade into the waters of Cetivacontism. Because it, I saw your article, I read through that article over at Crisis Magazine. The headline says, The Spiritual Dangers of Cetivacontism. But I think the fundamental question is, why is there a growing number of Catholics who seem to think, believe, and claim that the chair of St. Peter is in fact empty? I mean, I, I don't know if you've done this, but I, I looked up the headlines. There's a guy wearing white there in Rome. He's got the ring. The cardinals come hang out with them. I mean, it seems like that could be the Bishop of Rome, but I don't know. What do you say, Eric Sammons? Well, it's even more confusing that because there's actually two guys in Rome yeah. who are white. <laughs> yeah. You pulled that card quick. Wow. <laughs> so let's just go. Let's just go there too. But I mean, actually, and that that is part of the confusion, to be honest, because there are the Sedi Vicantists who believe that the chair of Peter is empty, that there is no pope. I'd also say there's like the Sedi agnostics, though. I think this is a growing number too. People, and I made that term up just now. But the the, the people who are just, I just don't know. I'm just so confused by what's going on in the church right now. I, I just don't know if there is a pope and if there is, who it is. And then there are the people who think that uh, Pope Benedict uh, XVI is still the, the valid pope. So, And I think it's a sign of the massive confusion in the church today. And the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the signals we're getting from the Vatican 
are, are very, not just confusing, but outright disturbing. And when that happens, it's natural for the sheep to be like, wait a minute, who's my shepherd here? Because this shepherd seems to be saying things that other shepherds in the past didn't say. He's leading me in places that past shepherds didn't lead me. So is he still the shepherd or is he not the shepherd anymore? And so I, I, you know, I write about the spiritual dangers of Seti Vacantism because I do think it's a very spiritually dangerous position to hold. And I have reasons for that. But I also do have a lot of sympathy and empathy for people who are really struggling uh, today because of the, the confusion. I mean, ultimately, let's be honest, the, the, the blame does go with the shepherds who are sending confusing and disturbing messages. You know, I've I've been listening to arguments on both sides of the equation over the past several months, and I've heard one uh, one claim that says, well, you know, traditionalists they they make these arguments because they really just want to return to something that feels more conservative. You know, uh, uh, to throw the word back out there, traditional, safe, comfortable, and I've always felt like that's kind of a weak argument because it's wants something that feels warm and cozy i want the actual truth however it was handed down to my time that's just all i want like why 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 is that so hard to understand do you think eric sammons well i think it it shows a real misunderstanding of catholicism our faith is literally built upon the 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 pillars of scripture and tradition with the magisterium interpreting it but the magisterium's duty is to not invent Eric we somehow lost your audio there can you repeat that last phrase please oh I'm sorry I was just gonna say that basically what the, the magistrate's duty is is to pass on what has been handed on to them and so that that means it ha you know it's not to invent new things it's just to pass on the tradition St. Paul says this and so it's okay for Catholic to be like I just want what my fathers had in the faith. I just want my, what, what my predecessors had. That's actually a Catholic instinct that we should have, that we want to have passed on to us what was received in previous generations. So I actually think that's a good argument. It's like, yeah, I just want what they had 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, what they were taught. I want to be taught the same thing and, and nothing else. But there's a push in the church for innovation to say, okay, we have to do things. It's a new world. We have to do things differently. And I just think that's a, uh, a, a dangerous and uncatholic way of looking at things. You know, Eric, um, one thing that I think is a important thing to try to, to try to get out there is whether or not you are Catholic, if you hold a set of a conscious position, my personal opinion is that set of a contest are Catholic. Um, but what say you, Eric Sammons, um, are set of a conscious Catholic? Man, it is early in the morning for you to just be going straight there, isn't it? <laughs> You're not letting me off at all, no, man. No, we're, we're going <laughs> to string him up by his toes. String him up by his toes. <laughs> I mean, I think, okay, that is a tough question. I do think, obviously, that the people who hold this in general, uh, they are Catholic in the sense that they obviously believe what the church teaches. However, I do think that when you, if you have doubts, that's one thing. If you have like, uh, you know, disturb, you're disturbed by what's going on, that's one thing. I do think though, if you hold a very strongly sedative conscious position, like you're like absolutely positively, I know 
that Pope Francis is not the Pope. I know Jorge Bergoglio is not the Pope. I really think you've put yourself in a, in a, on a, in schism with the church because one of the traditional ways in which communion is represented in the church in a real practical way is attending Mass where the name of the Bishop of Rome is said in the prayers in the canon of the Mass. That is in the first millennium. That's how you knew you were in communion was the name of the Pope or and your bishop were in the, in the Mass. And if you don't name him, so if you're going to a Mass where they're absolutely sure that Francis is not Pope and they don't name him, or they name Benedict, let's say, then I do think you are in schism because you're outside of communion. If you're somebody who's attending just a regular Mass where, where everybody there accepts Francis as Pope and you have these doubts and, and you're unsure, I don't think you've put yourself in schism by that very fact. I do think it's a dangerous path that could lead to schism, but that in and of itself is, is just an understandable concern that you might have. So let me ask a follow-up question to that then. If a person who's going to Mass normally in their diocese, I mean, but they're, they're struggling with this idea, and they are leaning towards the, the concept of set up a contism, but they still go to the regular Mass and all of that, have they committed any sin? I mean, I think if they're struggling with something, struggling with something is not a sin. It's taking action with it that, that's a sin. I think if all of a sudden you started going to one of these independent chapels that did not recognize Francis as the Pope officially, I think, yes, that is a sin. Mm-hmm. I think if you're still attending Mass and you're just struggling, you're like, I just don't see... If you say to yourself, for example, I don't see how this man is the Pope based upon what he says and does, I don't think that in and of itself is a sin because I think that is... You're just disturbed by what's going on and that's natural. I do think, though your thoughts and your, your actions should be geared towards understanding how the church has recognized who the Pope is. Mm-hmm. And that is through the official people who are in charge of deciding these things, i.e. the bishops. And the, and the reality is that the bishops in, in the Catholic Church worldwide recognize Jorge Borgoglio as the Pope. And that, I know some people don't, some people who flirt with Sevicantism think that's not good enough because, I mean, let's be honest, all the bishops aren't that great either. Mm-hmm. But that is how we know. That is the way God has shown us because we have an incarnational sacramental religion that uses physical things that we can see and touch and feel. And we can see who the bishops are and we can see who they're acknowledging as the pope. And therefore, he is Pope. Because in, in history, for example, there have been times where multiple men have claimed to be Pope. But you had bishops claiming it, different bishops. Here you have all bishops claiming Francis is Pope. Hold that thought. Eric Salmon's Crisis Magazine, uh, crisismagazine.com is the website. We're talking about set of a contism and why this is a spiritual danger. And uh, we're going to con- continue this conversation right on the other side of the break. And I'll share with you a very quick story about how I met some set of a contest and how that impacted me. All that coming up next. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small t tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Eric Sammons, uh, editor-in-chief over at Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com. Welcome back to the show. We're talking about his article, The Spiritual Dangers of Cetivacontism, which, again, you can find at crisismagazine.com. We'll try to link to it on our live video feeds as well. Real quick, uh, many, many, many moons ago, uh, 2000 and, I don't know, three. Uh, or four, maybe, uh, somewhere in there. I was at a uh, pro-life r- uh, march rally in New Hampshire, and uh, I, I met a guy uh, who was giving some testimony there who had been uh, b- uh, good friends with Scott Hahn, and he he invited me to a talk he was giving later that afternoon at a hotel. So I'm like, let's go. And it was going to be on uh, baptism, typology, and scripture. And uh, so I was very excited. I was very new in my Catholic faith, really. And so uh, I went with my wife, and he gave a great talk. We enjoyed it. And at the end, he dropped the nuclear bomb on us to say, one, our child in, mis- in a miscarriage was in hell. And number two, there was no pope. And my mind was like, <clears throat> like really blown. And I realized it was a hit job. I mean, this was a community of set of a contest there that had brought him in. And, uh, and I... I I didn't. I was didn't have real great answers because I was very uh, brand new in my faith. But I remember saying to him, "I'm raised Protestant. What makes what is one of the defining differences between how they believe and what we believe is we have a pope, Habemos Papam. I don't know much, but I do know that, and it seems fairly obvious. What say you, Eric Sammons? Yeah, and I think. I think that really reveals, though, the fact that Savicontism is a spiritual dead end. What I mean by that is, is that it it puts itself into a corner that it can't get out of, because the fact is, is that there's different levels of Savicontism. Some think there's just Francis isn't the Pope, but Benedict was. But a lot of them think there hasn't been a valid Pope since Pope Pius XII in 1950, when he died in 1958. He was the last valid Pope. And that's eventually where most of them lead towards, because if you have a problem with Francis, like, I mean, so much so that you think he's not the Pope anymore, well, there's a lot of things similar with Benedict and, and John Paul II and Paul VI and John the Twenty-Third. I mean, you just keep going back. I even saw somebody on Twitter, I don't know if this person really exists, who thinks Leo Thirteenth, I think, was the first <laughs> anti-Pope or something like that. Wow. So <laughs> the point is, is that you, you create your own... Uh, religion, and in fact, I'm pretty confident I know exactly who you're talking about, and that man does not go to any church. He is by himself now, and he basically just celebrates in his house by himself. Wow. And, you know, his faith. And so, 
the ultimate Protestant is all is what it ends up being because what you're doing is you're taking your own views over the views of all the bishops of the world, like I said, and if you reject all the bishops of the world, then what are you? I mean, you're mm-hmm. Protestant at that point because you no longer accept the visible institution of the Catholic Church, and that's where we get our, what I'm saying, the spiritual dead end. You know, Eric, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, and I think I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the set of a contest. I'm very kind to them because I'm like, I really recognize the situation. I agree with them on like 99, 95% of things. I just don't agree with them on their solution. And so I'm very sympathetic to them, try to be kind as much as I can be to the position and to the individuals. But the thing that gets me the most, and I'm like, I can't get on board with Evacontism for this reason, primarily. There's other reasons, but this is the primary reason. And you touched on it and as we were going to break the last segment, so I wanted to bring it back up, was at the election of John the 23rd, and at the election of Paul VI, there were zero set of a contest in the world. Every single bishop in the world accepted and prayed for John the 23rd and Paul VI, and we retroactively went backwards in time and said, John the 23rd, Paul VI, not true popes. By the time we get to JP two Benedict, Francis, well, there, have, there are set of a contest bishops saying that he's, they're not popes, but the universal consensus of the faithful and uh, the, of uh, the entire clergy, the entire magisterium, did accept Paul VI and John XXIII. And so the entire church was in schism. There was no remnant for the duration of John XXIII and Paul VI's life, or at least until Paul VI toward the end of his life. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. What say you, Eric Sammons? Yeah. That is a certain form of Gnosticism, and what I mean by that is that, that certain people have a knowledge that is somewhat secret. In other words, it's not public that anybody can see and know. The reason we know Francis is Pope simply because it's public knowledge, because all the bishops say that he is the Pope, and that's enough for us. Whereas a Gnostic would say, well, actually, what's public isn't really true. We have the secret knowledge of what's really true. And, and another thing I want to bring up is that when we talk about papal elections, I know there's been some some people arguing the St. Gallen's Mafia, things like that about the, the uh, election of Pope Francis. Here's the thing. If you study history enough, there have been a lot of messy papal elections. I mean, there have been popes that have been dep- deposed by emperors. There have been popes that have been forced, popes who have bought their office. A lot of crazy stuff. And so if we get very legalistic, and I, don't get me wrong, can law is very important. The law is important. But there is a point where you get legalistic in the pharisaical sense of, oh, it didn't follow the rules that we, I think they should follow. The fact is, is that's happened a lot in history. What matters is the consensus, the public consensus of the church, as you mentioned, which is the bishop saying, you know, we've decided this is the pope. And actually, that's enough. That's enough. If, if all the bishops say, this is the pope, then guess what? That is the pope. <laughs> So, Eric, let's uh, let's explore this scenario a little bit more, right? I mean, if, for example, somebody were to adhere to the set a position that uh, Pope Pius XII was the last reigning pope, and everything afterwards is is invalid, well, that would make the the episcopal consecrations of the of the bishops of all of the priests those things would be invalid, and essentially we would find ourselves in a situation where the visible face of the church would have been completely wiped off the planet, um, and I'm wondering, you know, if that were to happen, and I think I think this is another question that that cities have. They'll say, well, for example, because of all of those things are invalid, well, therefore the pope is 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 not actually the pope. But 
who are we to say? I mean, we are not the magisterium to to say that there isn't a pope. I mean, that would be something that's completely outside of the laity's position. Don't you agree? Yes, I, I do want to correct one thing, though. There are studies who do who would say that bishops and priests are still valid mm. because of the fact that they still received a valid um, ordination by a valid bishop before, you know, and, and so the line continued. They would just be illicit because they, there was no true pope who decided who the, to pick the bishops, things like that. So they would technically still be valid priests. And, and, and bishops, they just wouldn't really have any authority because of the fact there is no valid pope to, to decide that. Now, that being said, the, the, you, you hit on a very important point, which is what is my authority as an individual layman to make these decisions? And because a lot of people, they, they might quote uh, St. Robert Bellarmine or somebody like that and say, well, if a pope is a heretic, he automatically loses the office of the, of the papacy. And there is something to be said for that. The problem is being declared a heretic is a, a, a legal uh, and juridical, I should say a juridical uh, statement when it comes to somebody in an office like the Pope. So it has to be declared by an authority. So for example, we all know that there are bishops out there and let's be honest, who are heretics. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they believe heretical things. They say heretical things. However, they don't automatically lose their office of bishop until an authority over them declares, yes, you've lost your, your office. We are declaring that so. Well, who's above a pope to declare that? <laughs> and that is a problem that has not been solved in the church to say, okay, who is the proper authority? I, personally, I would just lean towards saying a future pope or council would have to say, okay, ex-pope in the past, that actually wasn't, you know, we're going to nullify his papacy for whatever reason. Um, I think that would be a pretty radical and extreme thing. But again, it's not me who declares it. It's an authority given to us by Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, we're basically denying the promises of Christ that the church would not, not fail because it would fail if we don't have a pope, for, for, especially for this long. And there's no way, there is no way to get a new pope other than a miraculous uh event by God, and I think that falls in the sin of presumption to force God to, to do something like that, to fix our problems. It is my mm -hmm. opinion that our Lord for, uh, foresaw this, obviously, being you know second person of the Trinity <laughs> has its benefits, I suppose. But nonetheless, in Matthew 24, he makes it clear that the, the chief servant of the stewards of the house uh, is the guy who abuses those people, and uh, nothing happens. He gets drunk, he beats them. And there is no remedial action until the Lord comes, until the Master comes at an hour he does not expect. And then, you know, justice is had. And I think that's part of the issue here is I can sympathize with Catholics that are like, enough is enough of the shenanigans that come out of the Vatican, of the insane statements that are made, actions, Pachimama, all the rest. We're sick and tired of this. We just want the tradition of the church handed on from Christ through the apostles down to the bishops to our age. We don't want anything else. Just give us that. And yet, I think we can't get out a get a get out of jail free card here. There's no wild card Uno game going on here where we can just play a card and go. All right, we no longer have to suffer through this current pontificate. How would you see that, Eric Sammons? Yeah, I think the fact is is that we, this mess has taken a very long time to develop, and it's going to take a very long time to get out of. And the fact is is that I'm not one who says it's our fault that that bishops are so bad. At the same time, I would say it's a communal problem. 
that you know lay people have not been uh, faithful, uh, priests have not been faithful, bishops have not been faithful, popes have not been faithful, and I think until we really have that repentance, we, we follow our Lord's words to, to repent, because uh, those are the first things he says, first thing John the Baptist says, is we must repent and believe the good news. Until we all repent, until we're praying and fasting, I think that's when the Lord will hear. If you look at history, that's the way it works. So as lay people, which is what we all are, what we have to do is pray and fast, pray particularly for the Pope, pray, pray, pray for our bishops, and pray and fast for them. And I do think then the Lord will fix the mess, but he doesn't just do it magic. It's not a magic thing. He looks for our response. He want, In fact, I think in a way, this whole crisis we have in the church is a way of bringing us back to him. And I think that's mm. how we should look at it. Like, okay, this is him saying, this is what happens when you people don't do what I want you to do. <laughs> you get in this mess. However, if you turn back to me, then yes, we will, we will, uh, you know, we, we will be a faithful church again. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're almost out of time here. I wish we had more time because I wanted to throw out, uh, well, what if he overturns Humani Vitae? What happens then? Can a pope be in schism to his, himself? I mean, uh, but I think you've already kind of addressed that. Uh, we're, we all need a higher authority to uh, sort out this stuff, but uh, it's a crazy thing. But I want to, with just a few seconds left on the clock, let me just direct people to your article. Crisismagazine.com is the website. There's so many good articles there. I highly encourage you to check them out. Eric Salmons, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. That is going to do it for hour number one. Coming up in the next hour, if you can join us, Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be talking about the Vatican. In fact, why did the Vatican pressure the Savannah, Georgia bishop to end the traditional Latin Mass in his diocese? And what was that bishop's statement on that? He seems to have some sympathy for the traditional community. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. In 1981, Cardinal Carlo Caffara was commissioned to open the John Paul II Institute on Marriage and the Family in Rome. He wrote a letter to Sister Lucia, the last of the three seers at Fatima, asking for her prayers for this endeavor. The letter had to be sent through her bishop, so the cardinal did not expect a reply. However, he did receive a reply saying, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid, because Our Lady has already crushed His head. Clearly, we are in those times. You may be experiencing tribulation in your own home. Recognize from whom that is coming. It's not your spouse. Stop fighting each other and together fight the evil one who is trying to come between you. Remember, Our Lady has already crushed his head. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Instagram. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation 
called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thoroughly a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Joe McLean, so good to be on with you again. Praise be to God. Good morning. Eric, it's good to have Eric Sammons back on, but I'm not sure he'll ever come back, Brady. Why? What did I miss? See what Adrian did to him? What? Calling him out live on the radio like that? Right in the morning? Just poof. Straight off the bat? If he ever responds to our request again, I will give God praise. <laughs> I will give God praise. You got to give God praise anyway. Yes, for sure. Well, it was a great conversation nonetheless. Uh, you know, it can be a tricky one because I think he's right. I think there are a growing number of Catholics who are believing, buying into the set of a contest argument. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have a couple friends myself who are flirting with the idea. And, yeah. you know, we've had a, a lot of di- difficult conversations, mm-hmm. but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately... I have sympathy be for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the I get the motivation. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're living through very scandalous times, yeah. obviously. Right. But, but it's, not, it's not the solution. We're in pursuit of truth, not comfort. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the deal there. At any rate, uh, but uh, great conversation. If you missed... Our conversation with Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine. Let me encourage you, uh, go to our website and listen to the podcast, which will be up. Usually it's about an hour after the show, sometimes sooner. Uh, you'll find the podcast right there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And uh, it's Thursday, which means today typically I would be sending you an email, but I've decided uh, as of late to wait until Friday afternoons. So, And the reason why is because Brother Rudy over there, uh, who uh, creates a, uh, a weekly video called Memory Hold, which is a recap of some of the big news stories of the week, which is a great explainer video that you could share with your friends and your family. So I want to include that in the email. So I'm going to switch to Fridays and include Rudy's video. But this week I have a beautiful clip of the last valid pope in there. Oh, oh okay. That's a joke. We're talking Who? Pope Pius the Which fifth? one? Uh, Pope <laughs> Pius the Twelfth. What, what flavor of sede are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh, po- it's a, a beautiful video of Pope Pius the Twelfth that I found discovered yesterday. It's quite good. I'm going to be sending that to you in the email. You're going to enjoy that quite a bit. And then uh, I also include recaps of all of our conversations for the week, the stories and topics we covered, and a lot more. If you would like to get in on that action, you want to receive our CDT Insider email, which, by the way, I will also include a way for you, if you would like, dear listener, to join us on our Telegram group behind the scenes, our private CDT Telegram group. It's alive and well. Damon's over there this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you, Clarissa. Praise be to God. Uh, good to see you, Tammy Marbury, our friend from 
from Florida. Nick, the mic is over there. Praise be to God. Good morning to you guys. If uh, you want to get in on the CDT Insider Group, well, then you got to go and sign up to the email list. That's the, that's the entry point. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email list link. Click that. You'll get all the information. And we're going to send you a talk by Father Bill Casey, the Fathers of Mercy, just as a thank you for allowing me to harass your inbox at least once a week. And that'll come to you right away after signing up. Again, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email list. But guess who's joining us in studio once again? Praise be to God. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rudy. Oh, gotta, and Adrian. Yeah, good morning, good morning. to you. Uh, you're looking dapper in that yellow tie. Oh, thank you, sir. I, uh, <clears throat> it's the summertime. My wife has school off, so I get the car in the morning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, French benefits. Praise yes. Praise be to God. Yeah. Yes, amen. Uh, well, uh, bigpulpit.com, you're, you're tracking the best in the Catholic blogosphere out there. Yes, I am. Uh, one of the big ones that caught my eye was what's coming out of Germany again. Those mm-hmm. Germans are, are causing problems. <clears throat> Every day now. From this, the news is coming out that a leading LGBT uh, leader has written on a, on a website in Germany operated by Father James Martin that they are going to go and uh, critically contest the catechism on the teachings of same-sex attraction. And it was uh, it was promoted heavily on German television. On top of that, of course, it was <laughs> CNA Deutsch or CNA Germany uh, tried to get some clarifications, but uh, they they haven't gotten much back. But uh, they 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 think that they can change the teachings. They want to they want to update it because there's scientific and theological evidence that things have changed since the mid 1970s. So goes the claim. So goes the claim. Yes. So yeah. goes the claim. Thank you. Uh, so. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting because we, it's like we have to be reminded every once in a while. We were talking with Eric Sammons in the last segment oh, about good set of a contism mm-hmm. and, uh, and how there are a lot of Catholics growing in that direction. And, uh, you know, and I made the point that there's no get out of jail free card. Like, as difficult as times are, suck it up, buttercup. That, you know, we just got to persevere, right? Yes. Um, in, in some ways, we have to be reminded that this isn't a democracy. We can't just vote a majority vote well i no longer believe in gravity all in favor say i eyes have it uh, from here on out you know i will no longer have wrinkles uh, i will float uh, i don't have to run or walk you know what i mean like that's just silly and yet we're seeing this sort of democracy approach to theology and doctrine in our church not just in germany though although they're the sort of the, the loudest cheerleaders for yes, it at the, the loudest moment. cheerleaders Correct. It's it's happening all over the world. Germany is leading the way. Uh, it's also happening here in the states. It's it's just there's a lot of confusion because of the ambigu- ambiguity emanating from Rome, and it's really giving a lot of people opportunities that they see of wanting to change things that they don't like. Uh, and you said it eloquently earlier before I came on. Uh, I think you're quoting Pope Benedict the Sixteenth saying, "We're seeking the truth, not comfort." Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the the German bishops are at it again. All right. Well, I mean, is that church going to end up in schism if, officially at some point in the near future? They've been told behind back doors, and Cardinal Marx has made strong statements saying that they're not going to go into schism. They're just expressing their views. But but <clears throat> expressing your views and then and then uh, come saying on the same side of your mouth that that uh, they're not going to go into schism is 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 just double talk. 
I, I, I'm in agreement with you. Last time we spoke on this, is and, and I think the Germans, are, parts of the Church of, of Germany are going to go in, uh, are heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think ahead. so too. I think the the question isn't so much are they going to go into schism and more of are they going to be declared in schism? Yeah, because yeah. I think practically speaking. They are in schism, at least in, the, in their own hearts, in their own minds. Yes. They are in schism with the church by denying I- immemorial truths. And the, the question is, will Rome act? And I think the uh, answer is going to be no. Uh, Rome won't, won't punish them. They only punish uh, Catholics. Uh, like we see throughout, uh, throughout America, in Chicago. Where's the bum bump button when you need it? There you go. <laughs> Dad jokes this early? It's not even the after show yet. Wow. Oh, my. That was a good zinger, boy. <laughs> but that leads to the question, uh, Tito, about um, the some of the other stories that are going on. And that's we there was an announcement that I think it was uh, reminding me Georgia who the bishop in Georgia said that they're going to, as of 2023, May 2023, no more Latin Mass in his diocese. I think the Diocese of Savannah, and they seek uh, clarification from Rome on that, on the dicastery of the divine worship. And they came back off saying they can have it in one or three parishes. I, I, I can't remember the details on but that. But only until 2023. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, and only until and after that, they it to be gone. Yes, yes. And, 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 he, and they actively sought the direction of the dicastery. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's, I think it's a decision of ev- each individual bishop in their own diocese. So, um, which is bizarre to me because, you know, when Tritianus Custodis came out a year ago, they basically the goal uh, we were told was to put the power of this decision back into the hands of the bishop. Well, l- listen to I'm going to read from the National Catholic Register article of, from the bishop's response to the Vatican dictating to him what he's supposed to be doing. So he went and asked, and they gave a response, and he's like, oh, well, my hands are tied. Let me read his statement. He says, quote, I'm grateful, and this is Bishop uh, Stephen Parks, by the way, from Savannah, Georgia. He says, quote, I am grateful to the dicastery for granting the above permissions so that masses, according to the Missal, uh, the Miss, uh, Missial Romanum of 1962, may continue to be celebrated for another year. Since my appointment as your bishop, I have been present at Masses celebrated with this missal, and I recognize the reverence and beauty of these liturgies, Bishop Parks wrote in a statement. He goes on to say, quote, I am also aware the eventual secession of these Masses will be difficult for many of the faithful in our diocese. Please know of my pastoral concern for you, close quote. Well, I don't know, Tito. It seems strange, a little bit of a... It's a little duplicitous, I would say, because on one hand, you're like, well, my heart goes out to you people because I know you really want this and it's reverent and it's beautiful and you want more of the tradition and patrimony of the church, not less. But, you know, what am I going to do? Hey, that's the way it goes. He's the bishop. He, he has a power to allow it to continue beyond 2023, and that is being pastoral. <clears throat> I, I can't think of anything else uh, of being pastoral than going with your flock and, and walking, accompanying them, to use the parlance, uh, in the direction that we're all headed to. And so, I'm just at a loss of words. Yes. <laughs> it's fr- it is just simply frustrating like, to s- read and, and see these things online. But it's also, uh, it seems to be like, well, hold on a second. It's a little bit of bait and switch here. A year ago, we were told that the, the Holy See wanted individual bishops to have more control over the traditional lot mass, the 1962 missile, let alone the 55, uh, said in their diocese. Okay, fair enough, he's the bishop. 
But now it's not like that. It seems more like, you know, a central command, the headquarters, the home office is dictating to every bishop how this is going to go down. It's, it's doing the inverse. It's, it's centralizing authority in the Vatican, and it's removing the collegiality that Pope Francis has been pushing very hard, and it has been one of his biggest themes in his papacy since he became Pope. And so I, I just don't see uh, any collegiality in this statement where the, the bishop throws up his hands and just defers to the dicastery when he has the decision to... He can like, make the decision himself. What made him, and of course, I don't know, the article at the National Catholic Register does not also state, but what made him want to ask anyway? If he's the bishop and Traditions Custodes gives him the power, why did he need to consult the Home Office? <clears throat> we can speculate, and uh, to be charitable, <laughs> let's say that his, he wanted to help, but he didn't want to cross Pope Francis. So instead of making a decision and, and people pointing at him, he went and put a request to the Vatican, to the dicastery, so he can wash his hands and say, well, this is what the uh, Vatican has stated, and we must follow through with what the Vatican has stated. And he says some very nice words about being pastoral, concerned, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he gets it <laughs> off his back, and he doesn't have to take the flack for it. Well, boys, I tried. You know, I, I, I put in the requests, and we got a denial. Sorry about that. I know you guys want to keep it, but yeah. uh, I don't know where you guys are going to fit in. Uh, you know, this just ties back to the conversation we are having with uh, Eric Sammons just a few minutes ago. These people feel like they're being pushed out of the church. Uh, a lot of the, the people who are going towards a steady position, independent position, they feel like they don't have a place in the church, and it's, it's pretty obvious they don't. When you see things like Traditionis Custodes, you see uh, the traditional Latin Mass, the good, the beautiful, the true, and it's just being pushed away as if it was something bad, incompatible with the Latin Rite. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it just, on the surface, it just seems Catholics that, are, that are intentionally want to practice their faith are being punished. Yeah. And, and at the same time, the theme out of the papacy is they're reaching out to the fringes, to the disenfranchised, to those that are on the margins. And it just seems backwards. It seems like a bizarro world because now Catholics that truly want to practice their faith are being pushed to the margins, the ones that intentionally want to follow the teachings of Christ. And so it, it just... just Thing upside down is is up is downside up and and left is right and uh, a woman can can become a man and a man can give birth so yeah. you know two plus two yeah equals they five. redefined the definition yeah uh, of woman the other day to being the opposite of a man yeah. and the question then becomes so what is a man yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also I thought there were more than two genders so then yeah. I'm confused awfully confusing mm. we live in confusing times yes. Wow. All right. Uh, BigPulpit.com, by the way. Check it out. It's a website I look at uh, pretty much every morning when I come into the show. Uh, a lot going on in the world today, but it seems like this is one of those reoccurring themes. Yes. Uh, and it's becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, we're, we're down to the wire here. Any other big story here? We've got a couple seconds left. Well, uh, no. I, I just <clears throat> remember that no, no one pope is, is the church. No one priest or, or uh, spiritual leader is somebody we need to follow. It's the teachings of the, of the church. It's Jesus is the head of the church. So if we just keep Amen. our focus on him, we'll be okay. Pray, fast, and do penance. Pray every single day for His Holiness Pope Francis, for the cardinals, the bishops, priests, and deacons. We do as a family. We include them in our intentions every night, and so should you. But uh, at any rate, God bless you. God love you. Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. We appreciate you coming in today. Coming up next is Fear and Trembling. 
Catholic Trivia Game Show with prizes at stake. You could win. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith. And there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes you a Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal infallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible. So do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. But what we need most is a phone call, uh, you calling 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to be the contestant and play our game. It's super easy. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877 877- 757-9424. One more time. That line is open, waiting your call at 877-757-9424. But there are, as I say, secrets and agendas that go on here at Catholic Drive Time. But you're not allowed to tell anybody our secrets or our agendas when you call 877 Seven five seven nine four two four. Call right now. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you could learn something that you never even knew before. Praise be to God. That's always a good thing. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a a fun time, and our callers are always amazing, laughing with us the whole way. Praise be to Jesus. And then, of course, we give out prizes. 
which means it's a winner for everybody involved. You know what I'm saying? Here's the kicker, though. If you're just joining us, let me explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, but we will not be asking the caller the question. So they don't even need to know the correct answer, but could still win the game. Instead, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer, the other will give us an incorrect answer, and then the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Knowing full well they can trust me, the correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Saint Wave Apparel. They have a very interesting shop on Etsy. Check them out, Saint Wave Apparel. Now, the winner of the, uh, that's going to be drawn out of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence is mm-hmm. going to be able to pick any one item from all of their entire Etsy store. Mm-hmm. Now, dear mm-hmm. listener, if you're looking for a very unique design, a Ooh. very cool T-shirt, or something with throwback aesthetics, you ought to check out Saint Wave Apparel. They have really? some really cool stuff on their on their store. That's amazing. You don't need to be a saint to enjoy their garments, no. but it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Wow. So make sure to sign up to our email list as well. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign in, excuse me, sign in to the, uh, to get those, those email blasts every week. And uh, we're going to put in an extra goodie that they gave us in the email this week. Extra goodies from our sponsor? Extra goodie. All right. Praise be to God. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to sign up to our email list. And you'll receive said extra goodie from St. Wave Apparel. Thank you very much for that. Let's go to the phones. Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Teresa. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Prince George's County, Maryland. Hey, now. Maryland. We're getting a little bit more uh, love and and action from uh, Maryland and Virginia area. Praise be to God. We're glad to hear your voice this morning. Teresa, where do you go to church? I go to church at St. Peter's in only Maryland. Wow. St. Peter. I feel like there's a theme today on this show. (laughs) St. Peter and the keys and the chair. Wonderful. All right, Teresa, are you familiar with the rules and how this game works? Yes, I pick uh, Adrian or Rudy as to which has the right answer. Correct, correct. But you do, of course, know that... I am your friend here. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I'm here to help you. I am your guide to get you to the right answers. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Praise be to God. Let us begin. We will start with Team Rudy, who is, by the way, wearing a tie today, and his infamous salmon shirt. Eric Salmons. Eric Salmons. Did you wear it just for Salmons? I'm just curious. No, that'd be funny. Is there a theme there? Okay. All right, Teresa, he's wearing a tie. Uh, What does that mean? I don't know, uh, but there's a correlation, I'm sure. But, uh, Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Praise be to God. You sound so confident. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? I've been, I've waited for my entire life for this moment. All right, let's... Let's let's just bask in the glory of this moment then, just for one second. Good. And the, anyway, can you tell me, <laughs> is Saint Peter the author of any of the epistles? This is a yes or no question. Yes, it well, is a my yes, answer is yes or no question. Your answer is yes. Then. Yes. Huh. Okay. Uh, there you go. Uh, let's just see. Let's get a second opinion here with Adrian. Adrian, I wonder what you're going to say, but <laughs> uh, could you tell me, is St. Peter the author of any of the epistles, sir? Is St. Peter the author of any of the epistles, you say? That's uh, what I said, Okay. Yes. Well, as a self-identified scripture scholar... Mm-hmm. Epistemologist. A, a, <laughs> what did you call me? Uh, an epistemologist. An epistemologist. 
And the St. Peter did not what? write a single letter of the epistles. As the historical critical method clearly states, <laughs> is that there is a community that wrote the letters uh -huh. and attributed uh -huh. to St. Peter. So no, St. Peter is not the author of any epistles. Okay. Uh, Stoic philosopher community or something like that? Or? I forget. All right. Well, uh, Teresa... Not the Hebron Valley community. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Teresa and Marilyn, you've got options. Uh, the question is, did St. Peter author any of the epistles in the New Testament? Well, uh, epistemologist over there, Adrian, seems to think no. In fact, he didn't. Whereas Rudy, with the tie-on, says yes. Yes, he did. Mm. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Teresa, what say you? I, I always just assumed it was Peter. I never actually thought any deeper about it until you asked the question. So I'm going to go with it is St. Peter. You mean Rudy and the answer was so yes. So wise. So wise. Of course. Yes. In fact, first and second Peter are clear indicators uh, that he might have probably, very likely, and of course he did, right? You know, the church universally accepts, in fact, that he is the author of those pistols. Wow. You ought to see his pensmanship, too. It's really good. I love First and Second Peter. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic read. You should read them. All right, Teresa, congratulations. You're in the cup. You could win. It's all downhill from here. It's all cherry on top of the cake. Let's see if we can't get you into the, uh, the cup twice with this next question, which I'm going to argue is probably the hardest of the day. Uh, but we're going to start okay. with Adrian, uh, who usually takes on the tough questions. Oh, no. Usually, I would say. I would say that uh, this is a very easy question. I don't know. Seven out of 42 people agree this is a tough question. Well, 20% of the time, I get it right every time. Every time. All right. Can you uh, answer for me? The super abundant merits of Christ and the saints are called what? And the saints? And the saints. Please. And the saints. Yes. Okay. Well, the superabundant merits of Christ and mm -hmm. the saints mm -hmm. are called the treasury of the church. I like the sound yeah. of that. It's got a ring to That's it. That's what St. Lawrence got uh, killed for. Really? They are like, hey, bring me out the treasure of the church. The treasure of and the church. And he brings out the people and he's like, this is the treasury of the church. And they're like... All right, man. you die. You die. <laughs> All right, funny man. All right, I guess that's why they're stealing uh, tabernacles these days. All right, let's uh, let's go to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me the super abundant merits of Christ and the saints are called what? Okay, Teresa, you may have heard at one point the saying, "The council will decide your fate." The the merits, the super abundant merits of Christ and the saints are called the concilium. Poof. The council. Yikes. Sounds uh, ominous. I had a, a vision of Darth Vader in my mind there for a minute. All right, Teresa, you've got options. Rudy says it's called a concilium. Adrian says it's called the treasury of the church. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Teresa, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to say the treasury of the church. Are you sure? Oh, you can't fool it. good. Well done. Well played. Yeah, well, of course, the concilium, Rudy. What's wrong with you? The council. In fact, the correct answer is the treasury of the church. And that is a fun story, by the way. It is. Uh, it is. So congratulations, Teresa. You got the two hard ones Thank out of the you. way. You, you ready for the third? I mean, I'm going to say... Now, this is the hardest question we've ever had. Hardly the hardest question we've this ever had. This is easily the hardest question we've ever had. Easily In the history not of the hardest Christ question to date. This is the hardest Don't question. Don't listen to him, Teresa. Ever. Here we go. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me what is the fund that's set apart 
for the support of an institution of the church cult. <laughs> this is oh. easy, Joe. This is a slush fund, obviously. <laughs> slush fund? Yeah. Oh, Papal wow. slush fund. I was going to say Peter Penn's, but okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying your answer slush is fund. slush fund is the official. Yeah. Res- that's, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, now. Uh, Adrian, as a... As a uh, financial expert, maybe mm-hmm. you could answer this question. What is the fund set apart for the support of an institution of the church called? Yes, well, as a self-identified CPA, uh-huh. uh, don't ask for me for any advice or oh. do your taxes. <laughs> but currently I'm identifying as a CPA. Okay. The answer is an endowment. An endowment? An endowment. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Well, Teresa, uh, I don't know. Uh, could it be an endowment, as Adrian is suggesting? Or could it be the slush fund, as Rudy seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Teresa and Marilyn, what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. Adrian. Are, are you sure? I, no, Adrian! Adrian! Teresa, one cannot just Duh. readily admit Adrian is correct. So, so confidently. Truly, so she is a beautiful young lady who is a uh, has studied theology and philosophy for decades. Clearly, clearly. Uh, the, the proper technique, Teresa, is to to question your thoughts and your thinking and go. I don't know. Mm. When in doubt, vote Adrian. I guess I have no choice here but to say Adrian is correct. That's the proper <laughs> technique. But nonetheless, perfect score, Teresa. You made that look easy. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Praise be to God. Well, I don't know where you're going today or what you're doing, Teresa, but I hope it's going to be a great day for you. God bless you. Thank you. All right. We're going to put you on hold. Take your name and number just in case it be God's holy will that your name should come out of the cup tomorrow. Uh, you'll have to tune in for that. But we'll have three more chances to win the prize pack this week from St. Wave Apparel. Make sure you're on our email list. But otherwise, we'll see you in the after show where you get to tell us what you think about whatever we discussed today. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Lawrence of Brindisi. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. God, we praise you. God, we bless you. God, we name you, Sovereign Lord. Mighty King, whom angels worship, Father, by your church adored. 
All creation shows your glory. Heaven and earth draw near your throne. Singing, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts and God alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who for the glory of your name and the salvation of souls, bestowed on the priest, St. Lawrence of Brindisi, a spirit of counsel and fortitude, grant, we pray, that in the same spirit we may know what must be done, and through his intercession bring it to completion. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. This word of the Lord came to me. Go, cry out this message for Jerusalem to hear. I remember the devotion of your youth, how you loved me as a bride, following me in the desert in a land unsown. Sacred to the Lord was Israel, the first fruits of his harvest. Should any presume to partake of them, evil would befall them, says the Lord. When I brought you into the garden land to eat its goodly fruits, you entered and defiled my land. You made my heritage loathsome. The priest asked not, Where is the Lord? Those who dealt with the law knew me not. The shepherds rebelled against me. The prophets, the prophets prophesied by Baal and went after useless idols. Be amazed at this, O heavens, and shudder with sheer horror, says the Lord. Two evils have my people done. They have forsaken me, the source of living waters. They have dug themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. With you is the fountain of life, O Lord. With you is the fountain of life, O Lord. O Lord, your mercy reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your justice is like the mountains of God, your judgments like the mighty deep. With you is the fountain of life, O Lord.
How precious is your mercy, O God! The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They have their fill of the prime gifts of your house. From your delightful stream you give them drink. With you is the fountain of life, O Lord. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Keep up your mercy toward your friends, your just defense of the upright of heart. With you is the fountain of life, O Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Why do you speak to the crowd in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In some ways, this morning's Gospel opens us up to speak about uh, a rather important topic which is not often thought about, which is to say, how is it that we speak about God and about divine things? Especially when one considers that we human beings are finite, the concepts in our head are all finite, how is it possible then that we are able to speak about a God who is infinite in every way? Because as soon as you say that I know exactly who God is and I understand exactly what it means to say God is wise or God is love, we're making a fundamental mistake of thinking in a finite concept we can understand something of infinite grandeur. Some ways when Jesus talks about parables and the mystery of speaking about divine things through parables, he's really pointing in a way at this reality. St. Thomas Aquinas says that there's three different ways we can speak about God. He says we can speak about God negatively, which is to say, using words that say what God is not, 
When we say God is infinite, we say he's not finite. When we say God is immaterial, we're saying he is not matter. All of those things are speaking about what God isn't. Then he says we can speak about God relatively, which is to say using terms that describe something about God in relation to us. We say God is creator, God is Lord, God is savior. All of those things are applied in terms of his relationship to us, his creatures, and those, of course, who he has saved. And then St. Thomas says we can speak about God affirmatively. And that is, there are categories of terms that we really can apply to God. When we say God is Father, referring to the first person of the Trinity, to the second person of the Trinity, he really is Father. When we say God is love, when we say God is wise, all of those terms are things which really can be applied to God for all eternity, you could say, or can be applied to the life of the Most Holy Trinity. But even there, we have to acknowledge that we are pointing at a mystery. It was kind of a classic formulation in speaking about language of God, which when something like this, when you talk about God, you affirm something, then you negate something, and then you super-affirm the thing. In other words, when we say God is Father, we really are affirming something about the first person of the Most Holy Trinity, which has been revealed to us, and that's how we know it. But then we have to negate that we say, well, we got to remember when we human beings think of Father, the first thing we think of are human fathers. And God the Father is not one and the same with human fathers. Human fathers are faint copies or representations of God the Father, but whereas human fathers are made in time with the procreative act, whereas human fathers can be good or bad depending on their moral quality, all of those things have to be rejected about God the Father. He is most perfectly Father in every way. And that leads us to the third step where we say He is most eminently, most supremely Father. He is most perfectly Father. And there we say we are still stopping short and pointing at a mystery. We don't know exactly what it means, but Jesus has revealed to us who the Father is, we have an understanding of it through the revelation given to us in Jesus Christ, but we can't say that we understand absolutely perfectly what it means to say the first person of the Holy Trinity is Father. In many ways, parables seek to avoid the problem of we human beings anthropomorphizing God or making God like a really good human being. Because the parables don't attempt to use any one particular word to describe who God is or divine things, but rather they share stories about things that we encounter in everyday life which point at a mystery which can be found in God or found about the kingdom of heaven. And to that end, it is the ones who are humble in their approach to God who understand we can't know him perfectly and we bow down before the mystery of who God is. But in humility, through the words of our Savior Jesus Christ given to us in the Gospel, we are able to come to an understanding of who God is, of who our Creator is, of who our Heavenly Father is, and also then who we are in relationship to Him. And it's before that mystery which we bow and which we humbly seek to continue to further our understanding, knowing that as our understanding of Him grows, our understanding of love grows, and under our understanding of our calling in life also grows. 
And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be humble in the language that we use about God, that we would never take his name in vain, that we would always acknowledge that we are kneeling and humbling ourselves before a mystery, and that we would always strive to seek for a more and more penetrating knowledge of who God is so that we can continue to grow in our relationship with him. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit to enact just laws that safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase, and which always respect the natural law. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors. We pray for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, for all those who have asked for our prayers, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, you heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the height. Sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, all you stars and light. Praise the Lord, for he has spoken. Worlds his mighty voice obeyed. Laws which never shall be broken, for their guidance he has made. Praise the Lord, for he is glorious, never shall his promise fail. God has made his saints victorious, sin and death shall not prevail. Praise the God of our salvation, hosts on high his power proclaim. Heaven and earth and all creation, praise and glorify his name. Worship, honor, glory, blessing, Lord, we offer as our gift. Young and old, your praise expressing, our glad songs to you we lift. All the saints in heaven adore you, we would join their glad acclaim. As your angels serve before you, so on earth we praise your name. 
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the sacrifice which we gladly present on the feast day of blessed Lawrence of Brindisi be pleasing to you, O God. For taught by him, we too give ourselves entirely to you in praise through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Lawrence of Brindisi, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisum Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, 
we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Praeceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
of spiritual communion. Hi, Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, que subis figuris vere latitas, tibi secur meum totum subjicit, Quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tactus gustus in te falitur. Sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dixit Dei filius, Nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce latebat sola deitas, Ariglatet simulet humanitas. Ambo tamen credens adque confitens, Peto quod petivit latro penitens. Plaga sicut Thomas non in tuo, Deum tamen meum te confiteo. Fac me tibi semper magis credere, In te spem abere, te diligere. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Refreshed by heavenly food, we humbly implore you, O Lord, that attentive to the teaching of blessed Lawrence of Brindisi, we may abide at all times in thanksgiving for the gifts we have received through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hail, holy queen enthroned above, O Maria. Hail, mother of mercy and of love, O Maria, triumph of The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Deborah Haney from the Catholic School's office at the Archdiocese.